This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to this week's No and Ever podcast. I'm Jamie Smith and joining me this week are James, Natalie and Kevin. And we'll also be hearing from Middlesbrough fan Catherine to find out how the Teesside club are coping with the promotion running. But we'll start with Burnley's game, a 1-0 win over Leeds United at Turf Moor. Which just proves, Natalie, that your reverse psychology works, as we all knew it would. Well, I did say that it was going to work and, you know, you all scoff. I can't believe that I decided to bin it after the Arsenal game. I'm kind of what taking some responsibility. What are you thinking? Look at I know. What's the title of Exactly. I'm, you know, I'm ashamed of myself, and I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take that for the team. You know, I'm, I'm not going to do it again. I'm not predicting another Burnley win from now till the end of the season. That's good to know. Um, moving on to the actual game, then, James. A perfect start, really, to score with I think it was 60 seconds on the clock, wasn't it? But again, Burnley not really didn't play that well. No, again, it was a, another. I don't want to say bad performance. Middling might be the the right word. Under par, I thought. Yeah, the thing is, we don't really look like we're going to concede a lot, but we don't like we're going to score a lot, and that's on the one hand, it, it's nice because you you're not that worried that we're going to get beat, but on the other hand, it is a little bit concerning that we do still need to actually, you know, win some football games. Um, I thought it was a perfect start. I think it's really key when you know a team like Leeds that bring a big following to the turf to to start well early and try and keep them quiet and I think obviously we, we managed to do that um, though they did pick the spirits back up uh, you know eventually but it took them a little while to get going uh, just because of the speed of the goal and I thought actually Alfield had a really good game you know he bounced back from I think almost every fan being a little bit critical of his recent performances wondering if he'd been fully fit um, but it looked like him and Boyd had been told to play a little bit wider and I thought that when they did go wider was a good look for us Um I think that's what's been missing quite a lot is, is using the whip. But again, it proof was disappointing. Proof again, I think, that um, Sean Dice listened to the podcast because you, you said we need to be wider and he goes wider. Proof, proof yeah, unfortunately, he did drop cards to the podcast because uh, James was scathing in his criticism of his last week and suggested that he could have been dropped and then he scored the winner. Yeah, yeah like I said, he's come out and I think he played a, you know, a much better game compared to the last couple. Um, used the whip better, but. You know, I think we're still let off the hook a little bit. Um, I don't want to be negative, but Chris Wood should have scored twice. Two absences, um, yeah. You know, you get two free headers like that, and you, you really have to take advantage. So, um, 
he didn't. That let us off the hook a little bit. And um, you know, at the end of the day, we probably should have should have had enough for ourselves because uh, Barnes, bless him, I, I don't know where he thought the net was because he hit it so well, just not where the net was. Um, and that really obviously should have sealed the game. No, it was the net was six feet the other way in his mind, I think, because um, he hit it perfectly, but just not in the right place. Kevin, we said on the podcast last week how important an early goal would be, and we got one, but you'd expect us to go and win a game quite comfortably after that. We still seem quite on edge. I suppose any win at this stage of the season is good, but it is half putting us through the ringer as fans. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, I think Sky said it was 29 seconds in play that that, uh, that the goal was scored. So yeah, yeah it was. It, it could hardly have been any earlier. Um, I, I don't know. Sometimes you, when you score a goal so early, you sometimes feel is it is it too early? Um, and I think I think I think the reason behind that is that obviously we, particularly with the way we play, um, I think we we sit back maybe a little bit more than we would. Um, and essentially, we, we we've essentially gone ninety five minutes without scoring a goal. Um, and I think that that can lead to. I know we've talked a bit about about crowd frustration. Um, Frustration in the past. I don't. I don't know what it was like. I wasn't in the game, um, so I don't know what the frustration with the crowd was like. But I know watching it, watching it on TV, it was. Um, it, it made it a little bit more frustrating, a little bit nervy, just because it had been so long since the goal, particularly halfway over the second half. Um, but I was talking to Adam afterwards, and I was saying, particularly after we've gone three, three games without a win, it, it was it was all about the all about the win um, on, on Saturday. And I, I don't think it, it, it doesn't. It didn't matter. In, at all, how we did it, it was it was about getting that win. Because if we didn't get that win, it would have been, it would have been a huge blow for our promotion chances. Absolutely, and the table would look a lot different at this point. Um, Natalie, talking about nerves, what, what was the feeling like inside the ground? Was it better than it's been in recent weeks with having that early goal to settle some of the nerves? Yeah, I think so. It certainly didn't feel edgy, and I think even in the second half, actually, when you know Leeds were putting us under a bit of pressure and we were. Um, you know, having to defend, you know, quite rigidly, I guess. Um, you know, the crowd didn't get as edgy as it has been in recent weeks. It, it certainly took a lot less um, than that in, in previous weeks at Turf Moor for the crowd to really get on their backs. We did have some ridiculous booing of Andre Gray when he went off again, which I just think is unbelievable. Um, we know he's had a poor game um, again, unfortunately. Um, for me anyway, you guys may have a difference of opinion here, but, you know, he is out of form at the moment and he is, um, you know, getting a little bit frustrated with his game. But to boo the league's top scorer and he's leaving the pitch when he set up his play for Arfield's goal was immense. He really, really, that turn and that pass for Arfield was just absolute cracking. So, no, generally speaking, it was a lot more confident turf more and, and you know, people didn't panic and people got behind them. Um, but there was just a few rufflings of, of the um, odd negativity. Yeah, I think on Gray, I think he's, he's a victim of his own success in a way in that people just expect him to be scoring every game. And no striker scores every game, really. So it's, I think expectations of Gray have just got a little bit out of control. His touch was really quite bad on Saturday, but he is a bit like that. His, touch, his first touch can be quite dodgy, but he's still always backing to score if he gets a chance. And like you say, he was instrumental in the goal, so he couldn't have played that badly. Um, James, we spent a lot of last week's podcast talking about changes, and Dash named uh, the same starting eleven for, I think, it's five games in a row, is it? Which... Wasn't really that much of a surprise, but aside from looking a bit 
a bit wider using the, the width of it more. Did you notice anything tactically different from the last few games? Um, not really. We still seem to... I think we're just lacking something. I think it's mainly in the way we, we use Andre Green. You know, it's true that he has been a little out of form and, you know, he's, he's not scored as much as he's expected, you know, whatever his calibre. But I just don't think we're playing the right balls for him at the moment. You know, he's coming looking for the ball a lot in the middle and it's because we're still sort of going very direct and he's, he's not going to win the ball in the air. And you see people complain about him not winning the ball in the air, but it's just not the type of player he is. He wants the ball to, to run on to, um, you know, and get his feet on it. And yes, his touch isn't always the best, but quite often he'll hit it first time. And I think we really do need to start trying to play more to, to Andre Gray's strengths if we want to, you know, put teams away down the stretch. I, I don't think we play enough balls into the channel for Gray. For me, like, you want to get him facing a defender as much as possible. And he's got so much pace that any ball in behind, he's going to get to first. So the ball into the channel seems like an obvious play for me. I know a lot of teams sit deep against us because they're terrified of Gray's pace. But you can normally get it in behind the fullback. Gray can chase onto that. He might win a corner or a throw-in or get into the box. We just never seem to hit those passes, even though in Jones and Barton we've got two players that are certainly capable. Yeah. There was a ball that Ward played actually on Saturday that was exactly what you want for, for Gray. Um, you know, he was looking down the left channel and Ward plays it down in behind the defender. And, you know, there's obviously work for Gray to do, but he wins a corner on that occasion. On another occasion, you've seen it where he'll, he'll cut inside and, you know, the defender will get mixed up and next thing you know, he's got a chance to, to shoot on goal. I really do think we need to, particularly if we're not using the whip of actual wingers, um, yeah, I think you've got to make it, take advantage of his pace and his power and, and get it down there. He's a strong player, but he's not strong when someone's behind him. As ridiculous as that sounds, but if he's challenging for a header... He's no good with his back to goal, really, is he? he no, he, get, he gets overpowered every time. But if you get him alongside someone and you know he's using his shoulders to hold him off, I, there's not many defenders who will get the better of him in those sort of battles. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Uh, a couple of minor injury scares, Kevin. Dave Jones had to go off with uh, sickness and Sam Bolts went off with a, a groin problem that meant Bards came on. Dash says he's going to be fine, but... Um, opinion was quite split on Barnes' performance a couple of people thought he did really well he obviously missed that chance is there a bit of a concern that if, if Volks was to miss a few games we don't really have enough in in reserve in that area Hennings hasn't really done much this season Barnes is obviously coming back from injury yeah yeah, there's, there's definitely a concern particularly with, with it being Volks um, who has, has, has outscored, outscored Gray quite considerably this year I think Um and I, I, you know, I thought I thought Barnes did did pretty decent. Um, it, it it didn't have too too long to impress, and particularly you know you can probably expect him still to be a little bit rusty. Uh, when you especially when you think about how long it took um, Sam Vaux to really get back to himself. Um, but yeah, absolutely, particularly at this stage of the season, you, you definitely want um, your, your two best strike, two best strikers at the moment on, on the field, and involved. Andrew Gray might be a little bit off form. I think he can still he can still give you that something out of out of nothing if if he if he gets the opportunity. Um, and yeah, I think if Vox isn't there, we've got obviously we've got Barnes to come in, which is which is a nice a nice luxury event. But yeah, you've got Hennings who has shown shown some shown some flashes, but that's it. And he's not really had the opportunity to do to do too much. And you, you certainly wouldn't want to rely on him. Um, coming in and, and replacing the goals that, that Sam Vox has scored um, in 2016. Um, 
yeah, thankfully he's thankfully he sounds like he's going to be okay. Jones, I'm a big fan of Jones. I don't think he's been at his best in the last uh, in the last month or so. I, I'd I'd be relatively happy for for Marnie to come on. I think I think pretty much every game where Marnie's come on um, since he since he got back fit, I think we've we've looked more um, more comfortable with him in the team with with him out of the team. So. Um, Less fussed about about Jones, although I'm a big fan of his. Uh, I'd be uh, I'd be pleased to see uh, to see Marnie get a bit more game time as well. If 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 Jones wasn't to, wasn't to make it, not a lot of time for for Barnes to impress Natalie. And as Kevin says, he, he's been out for so long. You don't want to judge him too harshly. There was a good piece of skill on the touchline, wasn't there? But the miss that James has already covered. Uh, what did you make of, of Barnes's little cameo when he came on for votes? I agree with Kevin. I was relatively impressed with him. I, you know, I, I don't know whether or not my expectations were pretty low given how long he's been out for. And, you know, you, you, like you said, like Kevin said, it took Voxie a long time to get himself back to, to full fitness. So maybe I was prepared for that and maybe I wasn't expecting that much from him. But I actually thought he did all right. I thought he looked sharp. I thought he looked quick. Unfortunately, his entire performance is is. I guess just turning on that miss and it, it was a bad miss. It, um, I still don't know how he didn't put it in the back of the net. I'm sure it was easier to score it than miss it. I don't think anyone um, knows just, how he missed it. He, I know. Especially Barnes, he seems to just assume he was going to score. Yeah, well, his, his, head, his head did go down a little bit um, after he'd missed it and we could see from where I was sat, Dyche on the touchline was signalling to him quite animated and saying you know switch back on switch back on get your head back on this so I think he must have been concerned that um an early a shocking miss as early as that might impact on his um his return to, to full form but you know Barnes is, is a great player I'm a fan of Barnes I really like him and um just linking this back to your initial question Jamie I don't think that we've got enough cover um, if there are significant injuries to Gray and Vokes or, you know, one of them has to miss for any reason. Um, I, but only because, not because I don't think Barnes is good enough, but I just think he's not sharp enough yet. Um, and like you say, we've not had, in, we've not got enough in depth in terms of quality and in terms of, of match sharpness. So I think you're right to, to flag that as a, as a minor concern. Saying that, there's only five games to go, so with massive fingers crossed, you would think that this squad's in, you know, can just get over five games. I think with Barnes as well, is is you, you look at it and actually, there's been mixed uh, mixed response to his performance. But I, I, he could and perhaps should have had a goal and an assist. Um, I think he plays. I think it was him that played. He played Gray into into the box, uh, into ball into the box, and Gray. Nine times out of ten would have scored by it was just it was just it was let down by a really bad touch. But it was it was it was a good run from Barnes, a good ball in. He should have had an assist there, and obviously um, we know he should have had a goal. So it wasn't on the field long. He's not been playing um, first team football after his injury long, um, but he still should have had a goal and assist. So I don't think you can um, I don't think you can complain too much. That's true. I just felt his general play seemed to like something, but totally understand that it's difficult when you've been out for so long and. You come into a high-pressure game like that that we were winning and you come on for a player who's played pretty much all season and been in great form. There's a lot of different factors, but for me, I thought it was really, really unimpressive, to be honest. But I totally understand that I'm pretty much on my own on the podcast with that view. Uh, so we will move on. Uh, James, we mentioned those chances from, from Chris Wood already. and On another day, those go in and we'd be looking at a, a disappointing defeat. Do you think we were a little bit lucky, maybe, that he didn't? stick those chances away or is that just a sign of the the difference in class between the seasides that even a three million pound striker like Chris Woodcourt score chances like that? I think you can look at it both ways can't you you know we, we definitely were lucky you know I think if 
Sam Vox was at the back post with either of those chances you'd have expected uh, the ball to be in the back of the net um, but obviously I think Chris Wood's record speaks for itself this season doesn't it it's, it's not very good and uh, he's clearly maybe not what Leeds thought they were buying when they, when they spent three million on him but you can look at it both ways I think the, the two centre-halves did a great job against him all day obviously he's a big old-fashioned target man um, and it was asking a lot to, to expect them to beat him in the air all day um, and you know I think at the end of the day you got to look to the rest of the team to maybe score a few more goals to to just give us that cushion and you know as we touched on the Barnes chance that, that was there but I think other than that we didn't I think it's the same as the last couple of games really. we didn't create enough until late on uh, when we sort of had a little flourish I think it's a weird one because I, I think yeah I don't think we created we, we didn't create lots but I think we we, we we certainly had a few chances where we where we could have scored. I think Leeds pretty much had those two chances and that was it. Uh, whereas we has obviously Barnes came very close. For, uh, sorry, not Barnes. Uh, Boyd came very close from a very similar position to uh, to our field in the first half. Soon after the goal, um, the ball came across to Loughton and he took a it took an extra touch which took him away from goal. But if he if he'd been a bit have a bit more better of a touch with that first one, he could have had a great opportunity to come in and score. Um, obviously, we have the 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 one where Barnes played into Gray, and he had a dodgy touch, and then Barnes's miss. So we didn't have too much. Uh, we didn't create too much, but I think when we did get forward, we I think we still had more chances to score than they did, and arguably some of our chances were um, were, were very strong. I think it was the the Boyd effort as well, wasn't it? Which was very similar to, to Scott Arfield's goal, pretty much carbon copy. People say it was a carbon copy when it was vaguely similar but it was almost exactly the same apart from it is it just the other side of the post it's interesting that me and Keane both got in the, the football league championship team of the week I think it was even though Wood had those two chances but I think James is right in that a player like that is always going to get chances from, from deliveries into the box and we defended reasonably well on the whole another clean sheet um, very important at this stage of the season Um Natalie, we're going to talk about pressure in more detail a bit later in the podcast, but the players seem to be coping with it quite well at the moment, especially after that run of three draws where every time that you don't win at this stage, the pressure gets even greater. Yeah, it does. And I think we've expressed some concerns over previous weeks as, and we've questioned whether or not the pressure is getting to this side and why, you know, they have dropped some points when we would have thought we would have expected to win, especially the Wolves game and, and, and you know, games like that. I was quite surprised to, when I was watching the Football League show on Saturday night. The pundits in the studio were really very, very critical of Borough. They said that their analysis of the Borough game was that the Borough players were very nervy. They were on edge. They were all over the place, they were saying. And they were really quite harsh with them and saying, you know, they don't look like a side pushing for the title. They look like they're clinging on there. Um, and that's not going to get them over the line. And they were basically saying that they don't think Borough are, are the real deal in any way, shape or form. And the, they actually went on to say that, in contrast to what the Burnley side looked like. And they said that Burnley looked calm, they looked calculated, they were, you know, they weren't buckling under pressure, they put in a solid performance and they just got the job done. And they were saying that we look like, you know, the assured calm champions and everybody else is crumbling around us. And that was quite surprising to me because I'm not sure that our performance on Saturday necessarily deserved that praise, although I will take it, obviously. Um, but also Daesh and the players in their 
post-match interview all came out and said, yeah, you know, it wasn't our best performance. Ben Mee said, said, sorry, Ben Mee himself said that, you know, they they were feeling the nerves a little bit and, um, and, you know, it's getting to business end of the season. So, you know, from an outsider's point of view, people are, you know, whatever we think, the perception of Burnley is that we are very calm. We're not under any pressure and it's, it's ours to lose, which is it's a nice position to be in. But it just goes to show that often the perception from the outside looking in is very different to how we all feel on the inside of it looking out. And maybe it's just the Burnley fan way to, to be absolutely terrified at this stage of the season and just assume we're going to throw it all away. It is interesting to see that, that perspective from from someone else who's who's not on the the inside of the really feels like a bubble at this stage of the season doesn't it where all the fans of the respective clubs are starting to gripe at each other Um, and speaking of fans of other clubs early today I spoke to Catherine and Middlesbrough fans to find out how they're coping with the pressure ahead of their running and games against Burnley and Brighton before the end of the season we've got Middlesbrough fan Catherine with us now to talk about Borough's title charge Boosted by a 1-0 win over Preston at the weekend. A tight result just like ours. Um, I suppose 1-0 wins are, are perfect at this stage of the season, aren't they? What did you think of, of Borough at the weekend? Yeah, um, I can't remember who it was now. I think one of my friends said to me, you know, if Borough go 1-0 up, then that's great for us because we've got the kind of defence that can handle it. We can sit back, happily go on and win the game. Uh, we don't need to be cracking on and trying to score a lot more goals than that. Obviously, that's what happened on uh, Saturday against Preston. Um, I was a little bit nervous about the game because it's one of those funny ones where, you know, it could be a bit of a banana skin. Um, And actually, I think we were maybe a little bit nervy and a bit tired. I think um, Karanka actually came out today in a press conference and said, there's tired legs, but we've got to crack on. Um, So, you know, we do have quite a big squad, hopefully, uh, We've just got to carry on, crack on through the next few games and see what happens. I was going to ask you about nerves next, actually, because the Football League show at the weekend, I don't know if you saw it, they had a, a bit of criticism about Borough saying they looked quite nervous in the, the Preston game, which I think it's quite natural at this stage of the season, isn't it? I thought Burnley were quite nervous as well. How do you think the players are coping with the, the pressure? I think something that Karanka always says is, you know, we'd never look more than one game ahead. And I do feel like, it's something the players believe in as well. Um, but I think as well, when you are playing at home, you do have that added level of pressure. No matter how amazing your fans are, obviously Borough fans are fantastic, uh, some of us. But um, yeah, there's always a bit of tension because you know the fans want it as much as the players and it's kind of, until that first goal goes in, then I imagine things are a bit all over the place. Um, I think that's why we do so well away from home as well, you know, the pressure feels off slightly from that sense. Uh, when you've got a good away following there, it gives you a bit of a boost to just go out and do your stuff. Um, so, yeah, we've got um, our third home game in a row is tomorrow night at the Riverside against Reading. And uh, that is actually our game in hand. So I'm sure all the Burnley fans are going to be very interested to see what happens there. Uh, could be a bit of a tipping point there. A lot of watching other teams' games at this stage of the season. Yeah, <laughs> Middlesbrough have had these games in hand for quite a while, haven't they? But this is really key. Um, a lot of people might listen to this after after the game on Tuesday, but you played twice before our game at the weekend. Do you think that's yeah. that's crucial? A chance to get above Burnley and back into top spot? Not necessarily. I think I think focusing on our own results is kind of what's going to get us through this. So next Saturday we're at Bolton. Uh, obviously, 
sadly they got relegated at the weekend. Uh, we've seen in the past though relegated teams then sort of lose that pressure to perform, so they might you know suddenly go on a bit of a winning spree now. I hope not for us, but uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, and then playing you guys next Tuesday. Um, we also have uh, Brighton on the last day of the season, so not the easiest of run-ins. But I think there's something to be said for all the the moves we have now with the fixtures for Sky. I don't really know how that affects psychologically when you've got teams playing on a Friday night um, and then another team playing the next day. You know, the, the fixtures are all over the place. I don't know how much that affects... Um, managers and players thinking and planning for the games ahead. I think it can go both ways, can't it? Um, yeah. That, that game at Turf Moor obviously was massive for both teams at, at this stage. It could well be decisive. Do you think a, a draw would even suit both teams, leaving leaving Brighton catching up? Personally, I'd be quite happy with a draw. Um, and I can see Brighton further dropping points. Um, so if you offered me that right now, I think I'd take it. Um I'd be quite happy for them to just uh, finish the season right now, to be honest. I'd <laughs> I think Burnley fans would definitely say that as well. <laughs> I think we're all just getting a bit like, OK, we've had enough of this now. We, we, we've played well and let's just call it a day. Um, especially at Borough, you know, it's been a really crazy few months with with what's gone on or not gone on with uh, Karanka. Um, but, but I'm quite amazed that we're sort of still up there and still hanging on somehow. So fingers crossed we get what we want. I'm glad you mentioned that actually because the Karank thing seemed really bizarre. I've not known anything like that where a manager's pretty much it seemed like he walked out on the squad, but yeah. then came back. What's what's the reaction to that been? Has it just been sort of swept under the rug and forgotten about, or has there been any sort of fallout? It absolutely has been swept under the carpet. That's that's the that's the overarching result of everything, really. Um, almost to the point now where we're so caught up in these recent wins that we've had and what's coming next, you kind of can't believe that really happened and you've forgotten about it. Um, but when he was turned away from uh, training before the Charlton game and told not to come back, I personally thought, well, that's got to be it. You know, How can he come back? And you don't really hear of managers coming back after su- such sensational things as that. Um, but then I was at the Charlton game and it was a, a very, very poor performance from us. Uh, we got what we deserved there. Um, and I think, if anything, it's just down to um, our chairman, probably, who's who's talked Karanka around, talked the players around, got everybody back on the singing from the same hymn sheet and, uh, you know, sort of normal normal practice has been resolved so far. I think it, it would have been easy for Middlesbrough to go to pieces after that happened. So it was really impressive how you've got back on straight and narrow. Um, obviously, you've got you've got Brighton on the last day, and we're at Charlton. Do you think it's still all going to be up in the air at that point? Do you sense last day drama in the championship? Yeah, I really do. I, I can't see things being nicely um, packaged up by then. To be honest, I think it is going to be a bit of last day drama, which will be great for Jeff Stellan and his boys. But um, we're all going to be having a right panic. <laughs> I think. Um... I've started telling myself that as long as we're within a point of either Middlesbrough or Brighton, it'll be fine. Because we've got Charlton on the last day, we should win that. And then, obviously, you can't both win. <laughs> so, as long as it's in our hands like that, I think we'd be quite happy. I just have, I just have this feeling that there's so much more yet to happen, you know? Yeah, there's always late drama, isn't there? If, if you had to stick your neck on the line, though, 
what would you say are going to be the two top teams? Are you, are you expecting Middlesbrough to be in there or is it just too hard to predict at this point? I'm going to go for positivity and say yes and hope I'm not at all jinx. <laughs> <laughs> and Burnley will be up there as well? I think so, yeah. I'd like to see us both go up because I think, I think you know, we do obviously have a lot of banter and uh, a bit of rivalry and things on Twitter can sometimes get out of hand between the two sets of fans. <laughs> But I think overall, we, we are fairly similar clubs coming from similar places, wanting to do similar things, you know, similar types of supporters and players. And I think, you know, it'd be great for both our towns if we did manage to do it. Excellent stuff. That was Borough fan Catherine, who you can follow on Twitter at Base Lady for more of that banter about Burnley fans as well. Kevin, the, the pressures, all people seem to talk about at the moment. Who's under pressure? Who's got the pressure? We're recording this on Monday night. Brighton are playing Monday night, Middlesbrough playing Tuesday night. A lot of people listen to this game, to this podcast after those games. But is it going to be different for us at the weekend playing after those two teams? There's a potential that we could be down in third if Middlesbrough and Brighton make the most of their games this week. Logically, it uh, might not have too, a big effect, but I think I think it does have that one or two percent uh, that could make a big difference. I think I, I mentioned when we first went top of the league that. Um, it gives us a psychological advantage because we're we're very clearly the ones in the ascendancy at that point. Um, and I think if we if we do drop down and and viewers kind of can leapfrog us, that gives them that little bit of um, that psychological edge that I think we had earlier. Um, I think if they're, if they're climbing the table and we're we're dropping it, albeit potentially temporarily, um, it, it, it could potentially have that one or two percent. Impact, which, which might not seem much, but we, we know how thin the margins are um, uh, in this league, and particularly at this stage of the season. Um, and we know that middle, Middlesbrough in particular are, are very capable of much better than what they've been doing in this calendar year. Um, and if they can get back into their groove consistently and play for the rest of the season like they were doing earlier in the season, they're that that could be a, a, a big decider in the portion race. Yeah, like I say, it's difficult for us to go into too much detail on these games this week because a lot of people will listen to the podcast after they've happened. Um, but James Middlesbrough have got this this game in hand that they've been talking about for weeks and weeks up there as, as being their chance. But there's no guarantees at this stage of the season. And even a game like Reading at home, which you'd think should be quite comfortable, not necessarily going to be the case. Yeah, I actually think you know Reading could be a really difficult game for them. You know, you would expect a team in Middlesbrough's position to to beat a team like Reading at home, but I think Reading are a better side than than the season has shown. Um, you know, when they came to the turf early in the season, I thought they were fantastic, and they've got a couple of players who can cause a threat from long distance. Obviously, Ollie Norwood, um, Burnley fans know about. You know, if he gets too much time, 30, 40 yards out. He can score from that distance, and um, you know I think sometimes teams like myself and Middlesbrough can sort of forget about distance threats. And I think Leeds sort of tried that with us a little bit. We gave them a little bit of time from distance, and they'd you know have a pop from from long range. Their shooting was woeful, but I think Reading have more of the players that can punish them from that distance. So I don't think it's going to be an easy game by any means for Middlesbrough. Um, and I'm sure obviously all of us would be sat at home hoping that that Reading can can do us a little favour there. Let's remember that Reading are one of the few teams to beat us at the turf this season. Absolutely. 
they've obviously got something about them. They started the season very well, didn't they? And they've fallen away since then, but there's obviously something about them. Um, other games that Burnley fans will be looking out for this week, um, Brighton playing Monday night, which will be after the podcast comes out, of course, but they also play Friday night at home to Fulham, who we know can be very inconsistent there down the bottom of the table at the moment, looking like they are going to be safe. And then Middles will play again in the early game on Saturday at Bolton. Bolton already relegated Natalie. Do you sense that having a factor either way? You see some teams respond to that when all the pressure's off and their fate's sealed, but they could just completely go to pieces. Uh, yeah, it's one of those, isn't it, where you've seen examples of both. To me, I firmly believe that this is going to be the tightest finish that we've seen in the championship race for a very long time. My gut instinct at the moment is that all of the teams will win all of their games and it will come down to a decision between who beats each other with obviously Borough to play both of us and us to play Borough and uh, I just I feel it's going to come down to those games I just can't I can't see Brighton look like a really strong side and they look really you know that the team that are guessing form out of the three of us um although that's obviously that's quite difficult to say given that we're unbeaten in 18 but they certainly look like they've got a spark um about them and I just can't see either side dropping enough points for this not to go right to the last game of the season and I just I just think that or everybody's going to win I think it's going to come down to the, the, the games between us I think that that is true and oh Last week, I did one of these prediction table things where you fill it in, and I didn't see any of the top three dropping points. We then went and straight away dropped points um, against Cardiff. But, you know, I look at Borough and I look at their last 10 games, and you see that obviously they got beat by Blackburn, they got beat by Rotherham, and they got beat by Charlton. And when you see that the a, a, you know, team at the second in the league got beat by Charlton, who for all intents and purposes, are, are probably relegated. Um, I think anything could happen, really, You know, particularly when they play in a quality side like Reading. That's true. I think they've won a few games since then, haven't they? And Natalie's right, Brighton are in better form than us as well before the Monday night game. I think they'd won three in their last four, whereas we've only won one of our last four. Middlesbrough have won four in a row, I think, so that's tightened it all up. Um, Kevin, the way I've been justifying it to myself recently is that on the last day, it doesn't matter if we're in third, as long as we're only a point behind, because Middles will play Brighton on the last day. Definitely, yeah. Um, it's it's annoying that that's the final day of a season, because it'd be nice for one of those to drop points before then, um, hopefully make things a little bit nicer. Um, but definitely, it's it, it's a big it, it's it's a big boost knowing that our, they have to play each other, so it's impossible for from both Middlesbrough and Brighton to. Um, to get maximum points, which is a boost to us. Um, I think it's interesting. I think the, the two games that really are going to really decide promotion, you could argue, are going to be um, us playing Middlesbrough and Brighton playing Middlesbrough. Um, Middlesbrough win both of us, uh, and they're, they're up, uh, pretty much. Uh, Middlesbrough get beaten both of us, and they're probably not up. Um, so they're going to be two huge games, Um in the last few weeks of the season and hopefully hopefully we we can benefit from both of them it is, it's, I have to say this is making me feel really sick <laughs> it's, it's, I'm not coughing very well I think it's really interesting that at this stage of the season the three teams are so tight and it's all still in in the hands of each team if if we win all our games we're up if Middlesbrough win all their games they're up if Brighton win all their games they're up it's 
really unusual for that situation to be in effect because there's those two massive games, Middlesbrough against Burnley particularly key. Uh, Jane spoke to Catherine earlier, she said she'd be quite happy with the draw at the turf. I suppose that, that suits both clubs in a way, doesn't it? But a win could be decisive. Yeah, it it's difficult because I think pessimist in me says, you know, I'll just take a draw. Um, but then the side of me that wants to, you know, win the win the league in style says, um, let's take them for all three points. And actually, I think if we do beat them, that could make it a little bit easier for us to play our last couple of games. You know, I think the the confidence boost would be really good. And I think. Um, you know, if we beat Borough, I'd have no doubt in my mind to say that I, I think we'd win it from from that position. Um, but it's you know it's such a difficult game. But uh, Tuesday night at the turf, I think that definitely works in our favour. Um, you know, I think the crowd seem to be a little bit better on on night games. Um, and you know, if you can get a decent attendance and and the you know the fans are behind the lads, then you know anything can happen. And hopefully, we can you know find a way to win that one. I think Middlesbrough have sold out as well, so it should be a big crowd, a, a good attendance for a game that could well be decisive in the title race. Before that, though, Burnley have got to go to Birmingham on Saturday. Their playoff challenge has faltered a little bit, but if they were to win the rest of their games, there's still a chance that they could squeeze into the top six, which is looking a bit locked down at the minute. Um, Kevin, Gary Rowett's done a fantastic job there, especially considering he lost one of his best players in, in January, Damari Gray, to Premier League title winners elect Leicester City but they've certainly got a lot of threats and you go to a team that's in the top 10 away from home we have struggled in games against top teams away from home this season we have yeah um I I suspect we've we've got enough to we've got enough to get over the line here um you you, you certainly hope so but yeah if any any time going to a, a team a team who are up in the top half of the table is going to be is going to be tough um but particularly, particularly at this this stage of the season, again when the margins seem to get seem to get so much uh, so much finer, um, I, I expect us to have enough. And if, if we if we don't win, then obviously the, the pressure just multiplies and multiplies. So I think for all our sanity, um, we've got to win, and we've also got to win to just to make sure people don't call us as, as negative because I know if we, if we don't win then next week's podcast will be very um, very very very. we'll all be very just pe- petrified really and very nervous I think the problem is the emotions swing so much at this stage I see a win can put you on cloud nine for like five days and even like a draw like the remember the Wolves game where we conceded at the end everyone just felt really down for the whole week until we had a chance to put it right um James, the Birmingham game. Then, what are you expecting? They're all massive at this at this stage of the season. But do you think there will be an impact of of us playing after Brighton and Middlesbrough? We don't know what they're going to do, but we could either have a chance to pull clear of them, or it'll have to be win to go back above them. I'd like to say that um, you know, no matter what happens in the two games before, and it won't affect the players. But you know, judging by some of the comments from some Saturday, maybe it will. Um, and I'm not sure whether it's better to be chasing or to you know, looking to, to stretch your advantage. Part of me says maybe it'd be better if, if we were the, the side chasing and, you know, we had to win to to get back, you know, in, in pole position. Um, you know, as a little bit of an extra motivator for the team. But I remember going to Birmingham quite late in the season, uh, last promotion season, and we 
that we drew, did we? Um, and it ended up being a really, really strange game. I think Birmingham are one of those sides that just aren't very predictable. Um, well, I think every game from here on in, you, you've got to go look at it as, you know, maybe the exception of Borough, we, we want to win. And um, it, it's going to be such a big game. So it's really, it is really quite difficult to see that there wouldn't be any pressure on the players because no matter what happens in the week, um, I think three points are pretty crucial. Yeah, I think uh, the pressure's inevitable no matter what the state of the league table is. It's, it's how you respond to that. And I think the way we did against Leeds with coming out of the box really fast, getting a fast start, scoring a goal, I think that's absolutely pivotal. Uh, Birmingham, by the way, me and James went to that together two years ago and James took me through the dodgiest parts of Birmingham. I was really concerned for my life at some point. <laughs> Natalie, we know what you're going to predict, but what are you expecting from the match? I suppose... It's it's a difficult one to predict, but do you sense the Leeds game could be us turning a corner? It certainly feels that way, doesn't it? I think there certainly felt to be a relief amongst players on the pitch um, and fans in the crowd as well after the, the game on, on Saturday, especially after taking such an early lead. Um I'm siding with James on this one, actually. I, I think it's going to be better for us that we're going to be chasing at the weekend rather than leading. Um we started this run at Boxing Day when we were well down the table. It looked like automatic promotion was going to be a distant dream at that point. And then we suddenly found this form and were chasing the top two and turned around something like a 19-point deficit. And we've performed better this season when we've been chasing the top of the pack. And it's it's only when we went top of the table that we started to falter a little bit in some people's minds um, and you know started to drop a few points here and there. So I think the style that we play, the fact that we have to go and win these these games to get our place back at the top of the table I think will suit us and I, and I think we'll really go for it on Saturday and give us your Bromance reverse psychology prediction then <laughs> I'm not predicting another Burnley win this season I am going to say um, a very tough fixture um, I think Birmingham will be far too strong for us and we'll lose 3-0 guaranteed victory then Kevin your thoughts um, I think it's going to be a, a similarish game a similarish game to the weekend I think it's going to be quite scrappy uh, not much in it in terms of entertainment value, perhaps. Uh, but I think we're going to scrape scrape a one nil win again. And James, oh, um, it's the return of the Andre Gray hat trick. It's got to happen. Three <laughs> 0 <laughs> Keep tipping it. It's going to happen one of these days. And finally, for this week's podcast, we didn't have one last week, but it's the triumphant return of Tweet of the Week. Natalie, over to you. Tweet of the week. 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 Tweet of the week, tweet of the week, tweet of the week. That jingle gets in your head every week once you've done it. I'll start humming it around the house. Um, to end this week's podcast, then, we are going to um, offer you a summary of the current situation that Burnley are facing in, and we're going to finish on a high positive note. This week's tweet of the week comes from Michael, and he says, consecutive clean sheets, unbeaten in 18, five games to go. How can you not be happy? Happy days all round. That's it for this week's podcast. We'll be back next week to talk about hopefully victory over Birmingham and hopefully Burnley still being top of the table. That remains to be seen. Thanks to James, Natalie and Kevin for joining us. Thanks to everyone who's been in touch over the week. You can always get in touch with us via Twitter at net is the handle. You can also email us podcast at net. Thanks to Catherine, the Tame Middlesbrough fan who was on the podcast earlier as well for her thoughts. But that's it for this week and we'll be back next week. Goodbye.
Hello and welcome. Hello. Does anyone have a George Foreman grill? (laughs) (laughs) Off topic. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.